0: Canuck Central Thursday. It's Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah here in the Tech studio. Canuck Central for Enzyme Pacific, Vancouver's premier Chrysler, Dodge Ram, and Jeep Superstore on 2nd Avenue between Camby and Main or at Enzyme Pacific Chrysler.ca. It's a Thursday, so we bring in the Canuck Central Roundtable. A friend of the show, co-host of the post-game here on the Canuck Central podcast feed, and on Sportsnet 650, and across the Sportsnet radio network, it is Bick Nazar. I screwed up.
1: Oh, how'd you screw up? Because usually, you know, when I'm ending the show, mm-hmm. I'll be like, "Oh, Sat Dan, you know, overrated, underrated," and I'll you know set up your guys' show. Yes, and I'll give something for the people to look forward to. Had I known, because I didn't step out of the booth in the break. Uh, yes. Had I known. You were so busy. Yeah, I was, I was busy. Had I known that you guys were uh, wearing the shirts that you were wearing, in, in particular Dan Riccio, I would have previewed and, and told people, be prepared for 6.30 pregame. Hmm. Well, I'm just wearing a polo. Dan's wearing the, the, the Tony it's, Soprano. It's also a, a polo. Yes. Yeah. But, but the swag. And I just want to – replay the last seven minutes that happened in our office here <laughs> yes. i stepped out of the studio and i looked down the hall at reach i was like oh nice shirt reach yes and he you know, went over there and i was like oh, where'd you buy it what are you looking like and you guys get out of the bullpen coming to the studio and victor walks in yes okay like, hey, reach nice shirt <laughs> yeah. it's like back to back back Look, to back compliments
0: i've never gotten this many compliments on my on my outfits You've never worn such nice shirt yes. yeah <laughs> again but thanks vic
1: we're not going to stay here and describe every thread, but at 6:30, get ready for the pregame show cuz you'll see Dan Riccio's shirt. Yeah. yeah. It's very Tony Soprano. Yeah. Yeah.
0: This is my uh this is my mob life aesthetic, yeah. aesthetic <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh I'm working on a a gold chain to bring in and maybe a gold watch oh, uh, to replace yeah. my Apple Watch and then then we'll be full on mob aesthetic. The gold watch would have been a nice flex. Yeah. Yeah. And some nice scarpeens <laughs> as well, you know, like some nice uh, some nice black dress shoes. Uh <laughs> And we call them in Woodbridge, Scarpines. Scarpines. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Scarpini shoes. So he just uh... – anyways, nobody cares about that. Way down a rabbit hole that I shouldn't have gone. But I appreciate all the compliments on my shirt. Uh, I- I'm sure you guys will see it at some point today. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks amidst a three-game losing streak. They've got uh, the Seattle Kraken tonight. It's – okay. So three-game losing streak. We've all had our takes about it. But I guess the wonder is, for me, you know, we're a couple of weeks out from the trade deadline now, a little over two weeks. Has the three-game losing streak shown us anything about what the Canucks could still
2: add at the deadline? I mean, some uh, some extra boost in the, in the top six would have been nice outside yes. of JT Miller having. So that begs the question, could you use another top six winger, maybe?
1: That's what the trade was supposed to solve, though. <laughs> well, no, it was
2: part of
0: it. Like
1: you're right, you're absolutely right. And
0: but they also lost a top six winger in the trade, technically. Yeah,
2: I mean, they didn't add a top six winger; mm-hmm. they, they just replaced one. Replaced they one. One. upgraded one. Yeah, yes. upgraded one
1: in a big way.
2: Yeah, and he's a center more than a winger, yeah. really.
1: It's it, yeah, it, it's it's two things. Uh, for me, it's ideally uh, a player that's better defensively than Philip Pronik. Right. No, I'm not saying for a better player, just better defensively than Philip Pronok, which is a, a high bar. Yeah. And yeah, probably a top six swinger. Because mm-hmm. now you're starting to find like R. C. Baines is coming in, played a credible game. Not that you're taking anything out of just one game, but if you're if you found credible depth, right, well, that's another body in the bottom six. Eventually, it just feels like a big ass to say solve the top six right now and come playoff time.
0: So for me. Adding uh, a defenseman with any sort of dollar value uh, outside of like a a real depth defenseman that's mm. not making much money mm-hmm. and is going to typically be viewed as a seven or eight defenseman. Let's use the name that's been thrown around so much that everybody keeps saying it's hard for the Canucks to do, but they do really like Chris Tanev. We know there's a lot of reasons to like Chris Tanev, but you bring Chris Tanev in if everybody's healthy. Your extras on defense would be Nikita Zadorov and Noah Julson. Now that's fine. That sounds great, but like, is having a three, three and three quarter million dollar defenseman in Nikita Zadorov as an extra really the
2: the best efficient use of your cap space? Probably not. But I mean, you can never have too much depth. But but I'm not even sure you can make the TANF deal if you're asking Calgary to retain Mm because you have to pay extra. So if you're adding a top four defenseman, somebody's going out the door. Yeah. Somebody
0: would have to go out the door. The point I'm making is, unless somebody
2: goes out the door, the more prudent thing to add to this team would be another forward,
0: in my estimation.
2: You can still use a depth defenseman. Like I, I still think yeah. can you add somebody that can compete with Noah and perhaps even compete with Zadorov. Mm-hmm. Like I don't mind that. Like yeah. you know, and that's why I mentioned Justin Schultz. If if they retain half the salary and the cost is say a third, he's a righty defenseman has some pedigree, but he could be your number seven. Yeah, I don't mind going down a road like that, for instance.
1: You're okay with the seven that you have now.
2: Yeah. But it wouldn't... I, I you're wouldn't an dis- injury away from being in trouble. Yeah, you're,
1: you're an injury away, and I just feel like there's still a defensive core that has some variance to it. So yeah. one night, it, it might be fantastic, and Myers is skating well, and Zadora is skating well, and they're on top of it. But to me, I, I mentioned this to you, Sad, on the post-game show a lot, it's... The the variance for those two players feels rather large, and if you don't have another body in there Mm -hmm. to smooth out the results, and and that's why I I focus on the the defensive side, especially on the right side. If there's another real body there, and then I I just feel like it it raises the floor for that decor.
0: There's still a... Assuming everybody gets healthy, which is maybe always a a fool's game, of course, (laughs) when it comes to the National Hockey League. But assuming everybody gets healthy, you still have this like awkward runway of seeing how it works with four left shot defensemen on this on this decor. Not that that's a huge deal, but Mm -hmm. you didn't get a great
2: look at it before Carson Soucy went down with
1: with another injury. The, the minor audition, though, for Ian Cole, I wasn't overly inspired with on the right it side. It wasn't
2: great, and that's, I think, part of the reason why they're and still Z- looking.
0: Zadorov told us he doesn't like playing
2: the right side. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, so there is a bit of an issue. Now, at at, at the end of the day, though, you are you will be forced into situations where your depth will be tested, and one of these guys is going to have to play the right side. So yeah. what, some way or another, you may have to be faced with it. But if you, it's either you feel good enough about Noah Juleson, yeah, or you feel like you want somebody that can give you more steadiness than he can provide like that's to me the question because like, if you want something better than noah Julson, it has to be a chris hanef type yeah for me it's really a toss-up like if everybody were healthy who comes out of the lineup between Julson and zadorov i still think zadorov probably gets a nudge early yeah because his, his tools and everything but let's say the connects lose the first game in a series yeah how quickly do you think that could change right
0: yeah, especially with uh, the way that Juleson has been a big part of the penalty kill in, in different spots for for this team. But I'm still of the mindset that they could use another forward and needs, yeah, like I'm I'm here for Archdeep Baines getting a look in the top six mm-hmm. and I think he earned it with the way that he played the other night and... You know, the lack of success some of the other guys in, that have getting getting top six looks have had mm-hmm. recently. So why not try something different? He clearly showed some offensive flashes and maybe has some traits that could fit next to JT Miller and Besser. And we saw that look in training camp through through a period in Victoria. So why not try it again here in Seattle? But it also highlights that they could still use some help in the top six. But with a lack of cap space and a lack of assets, finding a target that fits and also makes sense with their lack of cap space and lack of assets to trade is kind of
2: hard to do. Who would be targets for this team potentially? I mean, on the high end, I think a guy like Pavel Bucinovic, as we've talked about, yes. But the cost for him seems to be astronomical, based on, on what Elliot firsts. Friedman said. Bick, right. Would
1: you give up two first-round no. picks for Pavel Bucinovic? This guy has been trying to talk me to Pavel Bucinovic for for months, and I was like, yeah, all right, I guess so. But not but, for two first. Even yeah, I, yeah,
2: even I come up short in terms of bidding for him at, at two first-round so picks.
0: It never ends up being what the ask mm-hmm. or what the end. Uh, what the return ends up being as I struggle to find that word for a minute. Um, But it it would be the equivalent of two firsts. Essentially Doug Armstrong is saying, I want a good prospect and a first round pick.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I don't think that Canucks would are in a position to trade another first for Buchnevich. Yeah. If you're trading another first and I'm not against trading picks, it's, it just comes down to what you're getting in return. I want more than a forward who has one extra year of control. Yeah. If you're doing a first and, and a good prospect, let, let's say, I mean, what would St. Louis want? A first in Hoaglander, for instance? Yeah. Do you, Colson, maybe. Do you do that for a
0: guy Rots Rots you, okay, you yeah, have for a year for and a half? Because
1: you just said a first in Hoaglander, right? Right. Is, is there a version where like Nils Hoaglander is like this year's Brandon Hagel? In terms of signing him or trading him? Just what his value would be. So what? Two first round picks? But it was like trade backs and, and the thirds, right? Because yeah, yeah. He, he like. You, you, my immediate reaction was to you saying first in Hoaglander. That feels like a lot. Because in theory, like he's scoring yeah. and no, he's lost control right. for a year. And I'm, I'm not trying to just say that they, they got to move him or something like that. I'm just saying you present something like that, it, it feels like over aggressive.
2: Hoglander's not really a prospect agree. to me anymore. He's a young player. Yeah, he's yeah. a young
0: player who's having success in the league, and like,
2: he and he's making one point one on the cap next season. Yeah, even even if Hoglander doesn't shoot the same percentage next season, and let's say he gets 18, 20 goals, that's amazing production for a guy making one point one million. Well, so, like he's he's a valuable player for you. So, I think if you're trading him or keeping him in one way or another, is he's valuable. But I'm not trading him in a first for which Is my point? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: He's tied with Sidney Crosby and Brady Kachuk for even strength goals this year. Yeah. I mean... And there's it, it, only, like,
2: nine players in the league that have more. There's a little Kuzmenko with the shooting percentage thing yeah, there. Yeah, sure, so, sure, Right? But, yes, he's I, lighting I, it I up. I just
1: wanted to point out the Hagel thing, because Hagel was traded at age 23. Yeah. Hoaglander's 23. And it was essentially, like, the benefit of getting Hagel was the the cost certainty. And the years of control. And, and the... Yeah. And then Tampa, obviously, brings him in, yeah. and solves it later. But... Like the, the the real reason is why I got two firsts and the tradebacks and everything like that, or the, the added picks, uh, that that just made it feel like a tradeback is because the 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 money was there and he was producing at a certain level. But that to me is like part of the value. Uh, and and so the I, I we mention these things like oh Tana for Hoglander. I I don't know if people realize like.
2: Hooked on his value is How, how value
1: is, 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 is his is right now.
2: Yeah, his value is really skyrocketed, yeah. And in, in in two ways. One, it's in, in the trade sense, of course. The other one, in how the team views him in terms of being a piece for them. Right now, yeah. he's playing with Pedersen and Lindholm. And if that continues to work, and now the last couple of games, it hasn't been where you want it to be. But if that works, how willing will they even be to move him? Yeah. You and know, even the way Togit spoke about him today and said, since they moved him off the bottom six... You know, they're they're losing a little something. So he's viewed right now as an integral piece to their lineup. You know, uh, if Ross
0: Atkins was the GM of a hockey team, he would do anything he could to get Nils Hoaglander on his roster. <laughs> he's young. He's got a cheap contract right now. Years of control ahead of him. That just sounds like a Blue Jays target to me. Uh, okay, kidding aside. Go ahead, Seth. But
2: do you think this front office would not consider it if the right player came available? Yeah. For the right player, but it would have to be a pretty damn good player. At this I, point. And I think it would be more than a yeah. Bucinavage type. Yeah. But can we put it past this front office that they may still pull out, off something considerable here?
0: Well, there's still um, like a, again, I I don't think anything is off the table. This this front office has essentially shown us in their time here, two years, two years plus, that nothing is off the table really. I mean, we've essentially heard every player's name go through the rumor mill. That was early on. It was Demko and Hughes and Pedersen and Miller and
1: everybody went through it. And no sacred cows when those guys are getting mentioned,
0: right? But now we've seen them. Patrick Alvin is the most is the busiest GM, most active GM in the league. I, I really still think there's only a couple of truly untouchable players, but you know they're businesslike in the sense of everything that they have within their organization has an asset value to it. And if they can get what they think is value for that asset, then they'd be willing to make that trade, but it would have to be a significant type of player. To, to move a Nils Hoaglander
2: d- at this point with the way that he's played this season. Hoaglander, a first-round pick, or even one of their top prospects, whether it's, you know, like Karamacki or Willander, like, I think it would have to it, be, it have to be the, the type of move that
0: f- makes you feel you're you're getting over the hump a little
2: bit. Yeah, and it's mm-hmm. somebody that's going to be here for many years, Yeah, right? And, now, you know, Raymond says, another day, another segment trying to trade Hoaglander, and, and honestly, <laughs> I'm not trying to trade Hoaglander. It was more just a, a way to assess his value. Yeah. And what, what what are we talking about here? We're talking about the Canucks being in the trade market, and yes. we're talking about big names. Butchnevich is a guy, and, and we heard the, the two first round picks. We know Vancouver can't trade two first round picks. What do you think the ask would be from St. Louis? It's just part of the discussion here. And yeah. if the Canucks are knocking on the door on some high end players, what do you think teams are asking about? Yeah. They're going to ask
0: for Nils and Or
2: like Karamacki, yeah. Lander, another did, first round pick. Like that, that's what they're going to be asking. But for the next level guys, the higher end guys that have control, it's, it's not going to be cheap.
0: What did Calgary prioritize when trading Tyler Toffoli, a young player yeah. and Sharon Govich? Um, teams if they could like any gm would prefer a guy that's got a little bit of nhl experience and has shown promise at the nhl level then i mean okay not all all prospects are equal but generally you'd prefer the guy that has at least shown something at the nhl level whereas most prospects who've not yet hit the nhl ice it's a little bit of
1: magic beans that come along with it that's still the guy i'm hoping for by the way who's that magic Magic (laughs) to You're a Tyler (laughs) Toffoli
2: guy then, hey?
0: Reunion in
1: Vancouver. Every time the Devils lose, I get a text from Bick. Well, today's a big day. (laughs) Yeah. You look at the NHL schedule tonight. Uh, I was talking about this on my show. Yeah. The East right now, there's a four-point gap between the Red Wings and the the, the rest of the East. Mm -hmm. They're a wild card, too. And most of them are even games played. Washington's uh, six-back, but with one less game played. Either way, it's about the same. But if Detroit wins and the Devils, Islanders, Capitals lose... It's a huge gap. Six points with uh, yeah. 21 games to go. That's no, it. wait, that's not right. Uh, 25 games to go. Yeah. It's a lot. That. That's really it tough does, to make up. It doesn't
0: sound like a lot, but with the, you know with three-point games, yeah. it's always a lot. And their
2: goaltending, which yeah. is so suspect. Like, What level of confidence do you have that they're just going to all of a sudden reel off 12 out of 13 or 12 out of 14?
0: Toffoli is one of the more interesting players that could come available. I know we've talked about him before. He was mentioned in the 32 Thoughts blog yesterday. Thomas Novak mm-hmm. with
2: the Nashville Predators. Yeah, big fan. Um, Thomas, not Tommy? His
1: name is Thomas. Tommy! Tommy. It it, it is Thomas. Who who wants to call him Thomas? It's Tommy. You call him Tommy Novak.
2: (laughs) He's Tommy
0: Novak in these parts. When he's
1: drafted, he's Thomas Novak. When he's playing, he's Tommy.
0: (laughs) Uh, Fair enough. Um, Can play center is... I was was legit confused. Like, who are we talking about? (laughs) Can also play wing. Is that Nosek?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thomas Nosek? He's trying to talk over here about Novak. (laughs) Sorry. Go
0: on. Sorry, Reach. He fits the bill of Canucks targets, right? Because yeah. he has a little bit of versatility, can play center and can play the wing scores a little bit, has some tools to his game. Uh, I heard Drance mention he's got some experience playing with Brock Besser uh, in the USHL. So well, in that case uh, now it just feels USHL. like a, it feels like a, a, a perfect target for the Vancouver Canucks. But that's, you know, that one, again, I think asset value wise would cost a little bit is under a million dollars against the cap scores. You know, he was near point of game last year with, With Nashville. So that one seems like it could be expensive when you consider how much Nashville got for Tanner Janot last year even. But he had some
2: control, right? Whereas Novak's a free agent at the end of the year.
0: Unrestricted free agent. So he would be technically a rental uh, to whoever does get thomas novak should he move is the that the second. guy you feel
1: comfortable putting in the top six though
2: no like here's the thing i like him if the cost is a second plus like i don't know if that's the guy i'm giving that up for because yeah. conceivably to fully type you can get mm-hmm. for a second plus yeah you know and that's what i would rather do if more proven he, he, he becomes available i like novak if you can get him for like a mid-round pick or something mm-hmm. and he comes in as depth that can play up and down your lineup he can play center he can play wing you know i think there are a lot of things i like about him but he's not the you know he's putting you over the top piece right that you're overextending yourself for could you go bargain shopping with anybody at the in the basement like the... i know nobody
0: likes anyone in chicago
2: no, I mean, Chicago San just, Jose, like, what, McKenzie Entwistle? Like, bring some toughness. <laughs> Next question. No, he hurt Dakota Joshua, <laughs> right. so. Can't, can't do it. There's nobody there. It's like, <laughs> y- you look at a guy like Reese Johnson or, yeah, no. or Joey Anderson, and you're like, what am I even doing? You're trying to talk myself into these guys yeah. who've got, like, two goals on the season. Like, there's nobody there, really, right? San Jose doesn't really have anybody either, except for the guys you always hear about, Anthony Duclair. Yeah. His name always pops up. Even yeah. Mike Hoffman, his name pops up. But it's like, I wouldn't touch guys. Mike there's...
1: Hoffman with a 20-foot pole. They're, they're, they're just just two specialists yeah right like Duclair can shoot you've got some speed but
2: do you trust his game the coaches never trust his yeah. game that's why he always gets like ends up getting traded yeah. or demoted
1: I, I, I've got a lot more faith in Tyler Toffoli's overall game than I do Duclair's like amazing physical ass, physical assets but I, I just worry about the overall play
2: what about even lower on the end like a Alexander Barbanov Barabanov. 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 Right. Like
0: whenever San Jose has been in town, he's Better like be. he's the one guy that kind of pops.
1: Yeah, he does. He's, he, got some he's speed. the one guy who kind of pops. It, it's I, I don't know if it's because he's in San Jose, yeah, or if this is just how he plays. But he does feel puck dominant. Yes. But he, yeah, he hunts pucks down. He always he's always noticeable on San Jose. Yeah, and he, he he's willing to skate with the puck a bit in the offensive zone.
0: He kind of looks like he would be out of a, a out of a hockey movie too, with like the salad flowing out of oh, the bucket, yeah. and he's <laughs> just like kind of looks mean. He's not very tall, but he's thick. Yeah, you know. So I, I like he profiles as a guy.
2: I feel like the front office might like. Yeah, former Leaf too, kind of like McKeough. Yeah, so, so maybe fits even more. Jim but I mean, Rutherford,
0: we know he watches all the games. I mean, last Joshua.
2: year last year he had forty seven points and sixty eight games the year before 39 this year though he has nine and 34 three goals yeah. so it's like really struggling right but I mean it's it wouldn't it's be, a really bad hockey team <laughs> but I mean what's the price for play that's bargain hunting yeah he's making 2.5 and I mean can the Canucks even add 2.5 without getting San Jose to retain right now no,
0: they probably
2: need it's kind of tight attention. I think they can get up to about 2 million 2.5 is, is really pushing it and that shows you how little cap space the Canucks have to play with as well right like even the bargain guys making 2 million two and a half it gets a little difficult fitting it in. I, I
0: really feel like that would be uh, about the bargain basement bin hunting. You would go
2: to, and it probably have to be a mid round pick that makes me interested. Yeah. Uh, somebody texted in and said Luke Kuehnan, who plays on that team too. He's also one of those kind of gritty guys. Yeah. You know.
0: So how... we're just talking about guys though. These yeah,
1: aren't. Yeah, yeah. These aren't that's guys that's... that are helping you get over. How much the top better about? are some of these guys than what you what already you have. have? And and like. <laughs> I know it's just so weird to even mention Archie Baines after one game, but it's like, if we're just talking about like credible depth, wouldn't you rather have the credible depth that you have in the, in in the organization? Yeah. Like how credible, you're you're essentially
0: just adding another one of these guys to go into the rotation, to be a potential top six
1: option. I'd rather just have Vasily put Coles in and Phil
2: Kessel.
0: No, no, seriously though. (laughs) Like you're not wrong. Yeah. 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 Like all (laughs)
1: three of those guys, I'd rather just say if, if one injury happens the people that have been in the organization, it's not even about who's the better player. Like right. I think Barabanov is a better player. But the fact that someone's been in the organization all year, learning under Carlton, transitioning easily into Rick Tockett, and, and there's no guesswork on any of that.
0: Well, and that's uh, essentially what you see with Baines. Like, right? yeah. There's no yeah. sort of grace period for him to understand what he needs to do because he already knows what the organization expects of him.
1: So at, at a certain threshold, yeah, it'd be nice to just like, no, oh, more depth. But to me, the, the the benefit here is go get a top six guy yeah. and push everyone down. That's how you create your depth. And now R. Baines is fighting as the 14th forward and Joshua's back and maybe Mikaia returns to form and there's PDG and it's it's you have your internal depth of the guys that you know what you're gonna get out of them. And you know, I I, I get it like Luke uh Luke Cunning's a good player. Yeah, and it's he, like what like he, he's a real NHL player, but i mean it's it's depth sure but you're moving me it doesn't
2: yeah it doesn't move the needle but if you're adding just like a extra body to have and it doesn't cost you anything you're talking about a sixth round pick or something and yeah sure i mean I don't have a, much of an issue with that, for instance. You don't know that sixth round pick is coming outside. <laughs> but that's kind of the thing I, I don't worry about. You know, uh, somebody people text in about Tuck, for instance. I did find it notable though that Elliot mentioned Tuck's name in thirty-two thoughts, and the answer was like, "We don't want to do." Like, it, I, I don't know. Like, it didn't really go into depth into it, but it's, it's it, it wasn't a, no. a hard no. It wasn't yeah. a hard no. Yeah. So that piqued my interest, and I don't know. Like, that's that's a big.
3: That's ticket, a big though. ticket.
2: Yeah. Because somebody texted in and said, okay, what does the market realistically give you that's more valuable than Hoaglander right now? And I agree. Like, if, if Tuck's not on the market and we're talking about the guys we just went through, right? Even Tofoli, I'm not trading Hoaglander for. Like, no. These, so, like, I'm not moving Hoaglander for those types of players. If right? you're
1: moving Hoaglander, you've. He's essentially the crowbar. Yeah. He, you're like, you're prying someone out of. You're, exactly. You're, you're opening a, an opportunity up if you're moving those Hoglanders. So are the Canucks going to be bargain
2: hunting or playing in the bigger pool? Cause there's no real in between because, because of the Canucks situation, yeah. the space that they have or whatever. And I don't think Tuck's going anywhere, but yeah, I mean, would I, would I trade valuable futures for Alex Tuck? Yes, of course I would. Yeah. He has three more years under 5 million. And he he's a, he has a prototypical power forward. Now he may not actually be available. If he is, that's the point I'm making. Like, th- that's a guy. Yes. I mean, that moves a needle. Mm-hmm.
0: It's uh, kind of the player, a left winger with uh, speed and size Scoring touch,
1: it's the exact fit that the Canucks have been missing. I was just going to say, bad, he would look so good next to JT. <laughs> and yet there would be 31 other teams saying he would look so good next to our center. Yes. 100%, 100%. Alex 100%. Newhook, throw in but here's Ryan the, Johansson, throw in whoever.
2: But isn't it amazing how far the Canucks have come, though, with their with their with not only their cap situation, not this year, but beyond, the prospects they have, the assets they have, the young players they have, that we can actually talk about them being a player for most players who become available in the trade market right now. Like they have the pieces mm-hmm. to make just about any type of trade. We always talk about what's the most valuable asset, right-hand defenseman. Yeah. I'm not saying they're trading with Lander, but they have that in the system. Yeah. You know, young player under control. That's really good right now. Hoaglander, you know, power, a a high for high end forward who can score like Karamaki. Yeah. You still have future picks. Like, they have young players. They have the flexibility. They can be involved in just about anything that's available in the trade market. The question is, what is truly available? And if it's just kind of around the edges, maybe then we know why they invited Phil Kessel to come and skate because the other options may not be significantly better. Bick,
0: we appreciate you joining us on Thursdays for the Canuck Central Roundtable.
1: Well, Josh isn't here. We broke on time. Yeah, uh, not, not oh. nearly on time, no. Pretty
0: close. Two minutes off. It's not <laughs> <Yeah>. bad. <laughs> Thank you, uh, boys. Appreciate you. Uh, two com- hours away from
1: seeing the the uh, t shirt on TV.
0: Yes, it's it's a polo.
1: Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah polo, a polo. I'm so excited. I, I'm not going to tweet a picture. I want everyone to see it at 6.30.
0: Mike and Mike Tawasin is is hyped. Uh, it, now now we're going to wonder if it's like going to live up to the hype because it's been hyped so much. I,
1: I'm doing this just so on Wednesday we can see overrated, underrated, Dan Riccio's <laughs> polo.
0: It is uh, Canuck Central. That's Big Nazar. Follow him on Twitter, as always. Check out the People Show and, of course, Canuck Central post-game show as well. You're listening to Sports at 650. on Canuck Central. We're in the Kintech studio. Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Soar feet? what are you waiting for? Canuck Central is for Enzyme Pacific, Vancouver's premier Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, and Jeep Superstore on 2nd Avenue between Cambie and Main or at dot. CA. We now go to the dispatch plumbing, heating, and air conditioning hotline, and welcome in Irfan Gafar, Canucks insider, to the program. What's happening, Irf?
3: What's going
0: on? Just walking around Pike Place Market
3: in Seattle before the game
0: tonight. Oh, must be nice. Uh, what are we grabbing? Are we going to the original Starbucks, the original Starbies? No.
3: Yeah, definitely, probably going to have a coffee for <laughs> sure. Coming back tonight. So. Yeah. Oh, you're
2: not staying the night.
0: You're no, not, no,
3: oh, not okay. So you're, you're behaving yes.
2: then is what you're saying oh uh, yeah it's a yeah. terrible
1: it's
0: a
3: terrible city it's a great sports town but it's a terrible city
0: <laughs> so so anytime i'm at pike place like there's uh there's a few places i really like to go but beecher's cheese man really oh the mac and cheese from beecher's cheese uh do yourself a favor and grab one or if you if you have a moment all right um so, you're heading to the game tonight. Uh, R. Steve Baines getting bumped up the lineup, it looks like, uh, getting into the top six. Quite the debut for the kid, even though he was like, it says everything to me that he was minus two and Tockett still loved his, his game. You know, like, it, to me, that says a lot because we're, we're just conditioned to think, like, oh, a young guy was on the ice for a goal against Coach, M- Coach, must have hated what he did, but he clearly liked a lot of what R. Steve Baines did. Well, if Teddy Bluger
3: could score, R. Steve Baines would have two points. And maybe even three and if our cp you know if that, if that one yeah. of those goes in you know he he could have his first goal in the national hockey league so i think that you know for for a debut for him to come in and, and show what he's shown and you know didn't look out of place i think that was probably the biggest thing for you know the, the coaching staff but i mean he's earned it you, you look at i mean it's, it's no secret we've obviously know his story and everything like that but i think the way that he's played and gone about his business in the american hockey league um goes without saying you know the kid's got a really good head on his shoulders comes from a really good family and he's now he's going to get a more a bigger opportunity right we alluded to him playing with you know the guys that he played with and now he gets a bump in the lineup and he gets to play big minutes with jt miller and brock besser and look i wouldn't be surprised if they do get the point tonight like just the way that he's been playing the way that he's hard on the clock and he really doesn't look out of place and i know the fancy stats killed him a little bit but um, if you watch the game as opposed to reading it, like Ray Ferraro said on mm-hmm. on, on Twitter, you can tell that he had a pretty good debut.
0: Yeah, he, he really did. And, you know, he's, he's earned a, a look higher up the lineup. The Canucks have tried a lot of different players there. They haven't had a lot of success uh, with some of the guys they've tried in top six roles. So why not give... Arshdeep Baines, a chance. He's had so much success at the AHL level, AHL MVP, and played well in his first game. But it, it also highlights to me, If that, that this team, you know, as we look ahead two weeks away from, from the NHL trade deadline, like, you know, they, they could still add another forward to this group if, if the opportunity arises.
3: Oh, I think that's the biggest thing. I think there's still a want. Wants and needs are two different things, right? I, I think that they, they would want an extra forward, but I think they need an extra defenseman. Yeah, I think if you ask them, like, you know, that that's the way that they'll go about things, too, and, and say that, you know, no disrespect to Jet Wu, but he can't be the guy you call up yeah. in, when it comes to the playoffs, and they're not entirely sure about what Susie's health is going to look like down the stretch. You know, he's proven that he really can't stay healthy this season, so that's another tough situation. We'll see when he is able to get back into the lineup, but, um, yeah, I mean, look, as the trade deadline approaches, we're going to see where this team is, and uh, I'm of the mind that they're still going to want to improve, and, and try and do it at, by any means possible, whether that's obtaining another forward somehow, or whether, you know, you try and move someone out and, and, and bring in the defense. And look, we've talked about it since the beginning of the season. They've been on runs where all we're saying about this team is who are they going to train away to get better? But, you know, now we're actually really going to have to start looking at it as we're only a couple of weeks away.
2: Yeah, and I mean, if when we talk about guys to move out, I mean, there aren't not many candidates. Already they push back on the notion of Zadorov when there was a report that perhaps uh, he was a guy that people called on, but they pushed back on that. So if you're not moving anybody off the defense, and you look at the forward group, there isn't exactly a lot of guys. I mean, you know, is only making 1.1. He's not clearing cap space for you, right, and even when, when, when that name comes up. So who are they looking to move out potentially? Like, could they look to move out Mikheyev, who hasn't worked this year? And Kuzmenko Gone now, or is that
3: maybe something that's more of an off-season thing? My thing is, is if you can, if you can try and, if you want to move guys out, and you know the guys that aren't working out, there's always has to be, always has to be two parties to it, right? Like the Canucks could can say that they want to move Filip McKay out, but who's gonna really want to take him, especially since what he's done this season? I mean, mm-hmm. I guess you know Calgary took Kuzmenko, so really anything's possible because things weren't working out here for him, and look, I mean he's on the fourth line there now in Calgary, so. I mean, read with that what you will. But, um, yeah, I think that, you know, if you look at candidates, I know someone tweeted at us before we did this and said that, why do we keep talking about Hoaglander being in trade rumors and things like that and bringing his name up? Well, we bring his name up because he's probably their biggest asset to get something in return. Right. Right? And, and, and that's a guy that most teams, if you're looking to make a big splash, most teams are probably looking at, into, that, into Hoaglander. But if I'm the Canucks and you know they're just starting to get chemistry on that line with Pedersen and Lindholm, like how how do you move him? Right? He's a guy that can move up and down the lineup, can play in the third or fourth line, or can put up decent minutes on the top line. And in all reality, like guys on that team really like playing with him. So that's another thing you kind of have to take into consideration.
0: Yeah, and signed for a million bucks at, at another year. He's um, 17, five on five goals. That's uh, basically top 10 in the league. So it's he's just a, as much as you know i understand other gms would probably want that player I understand that it would take a, a pretty significant player to make the canucks move off of nils hoglander at this point you know I, I i look at this roster and i i do think you know adding another forward would would kind of be interesting um but because of these reasons because maybe they don't have the big assets that they want to trade, they don't have a ton of cap space. You know, do they go bargain hunting like they might? That they like they probably will with a defenseman, and maybe look at San Jose or one of those teams to see if they can find a cheap forward just to add into the mix of this
3: group. Well, I mean, their back back pocket is probably Phil Kessel, but you know, right. I haven't really heard anything come out of mm-hmm. Avard other than he needs more time. So, how much more time is time going to need before you really want to get a look at him? and sign him to an NHL contract, right? So that's probably their, their their back, back, back pocket. But beyond that, like, who really is there, to be honest? Like, you know Vegas is going to do something, you know, with Mark Stone going on LTIR now, oh, lacerated yeah. spleen. So you know Vegas is going to do something. But then if you look at it, like, of the big splashes, like, Yentl's hurt, Hurdle's hurt, Lindholm's the Canuck. Yeah. Like, really, you look at some of those other guys, like, who, who, are, gonna, who are the Canucks going to target if, it, if it's a big splash or, or a big-name guy? So I think... For the most part, you, you got to look for some bargain and, and it's going to get and you're going to have to get creative here as to what you want to do um, if, if you're them.
2: Yeah. And I think that's going to be the, the thing to kind of watch here. Uh, what type of players do they go after? And is it going to be a big splash, small deal? And, one way or another, I think they're going to make a deal. And I don't think we can put any possibility out of the equation. Uh, I think, you know what? Uh, before we get to the Pedersen thing, because I know people are asking about it as well. And we do have a trade in the National Hockey League.
0: Oh, we've it, got a trade to announce. It's a,
2: it's not a big trade. It's uh, a minor trade. Why did you, trade.
0: like, just... Uh, we we could have had so much fun with this. We could have. The I, Pittsburgh Penguins it? have traded away forward alex nylander in a sixth round pick. yeah well i didn't want to tease people
2: and like you know I, I hate the like let's let's hype us that's why i don't do it okay fine okay fine uh, but yes they, they i'm trade... the jerk of the show it's yes. fine i get it yeah uh, so pittsburgh traded alex nylander in a sixth round pick to the columbus blue jackets a conditional six to the columbus blue jackets for emil bemstrom oh, very... so it's, it's a very minor trade yes it's not it's not a lot to to, to talk about but for those saying there's there's that out but uh, before we move to the petterson thing um is there a possibility they, they do something you think that's out of left field? Like there's a player available yeah. like Hronik that we didn't see coming and I don't know where they go out and make that type of trade. Like, I think if they do something big, it would have to be something along those lines.
3: Yeah. I uh, look, I think with this management group, we've seen that if they want to do big things, they're, they're going to go ahead and do it. No one's really going to know about it, but it wouldn't shock. It wouldn't shock me at all. If they made it, if they, if they made another big move, I think that, like, like I said, if nothing happens, I'm, I'm going to be shocked. So I'm going to say that this team is one, at least one move after the de- or before the deadline, in and around the deadline, uh, 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 away from you know filling out their roster. Maybe even two. But if it's one of those bigger moves, like maybe Horonic or or whatever you know, some people are talking about, then it, ju- it 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 wouldn't surprise me at all. So
0: our friend Dave Pignota of the Fourth Period, uh, yes, writing today about Elias Pettersson. And he says this. I'll just read it word for word so everybody gets in on it if they haven't read it yet. According to a well-placed source tied to the club, the Canucks tabled Pedersen a long-term deal believed to be eight years worth $12 million per season at the beginning of the 23-24 campaign. That offer has not been rejected. It's there for the taking Pedersen simply wants to take his time, see how the season plays out, and revisit his future in the summer. That is uh, from Dave Pinota. Um, it's I'm not sure it changes anything that we've talked about with Elias Pedersen. I mean, Jim Rutherford is is on record with us basically saying, we're ready to talk with Elias Pedersen whenever he's ready. So the, the club, we kind of know the club is – ready and willing to sort of hammer out a deal with Elias Patterson, It really just continues to come down to him.
3: Yeah. Look, I, to be completely honest, like, I, like what was that? Dave said, what, 12 times eight, which is 96? Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. He said, believed to be so, eight years. So that's. okay.
3: So to believe to be eight years, you like, first of all, let me say this. If you think that the Canucks didn't offer Elias Patterson a contract in and around before the season started, or at some point, this season, they wouldn't be doing their job as a management group. Yeah, That's one thing. That that That's what we do know. Whether it's come out now or hadn't come out before, that there was something on the table and Pedersen didn't say yes or no. They just said, the Canucks said, here's what we have and this is what it is. I think the Canucks went at them with their best offer right away, to be completely honest. Right. And I think it could have been more than that, AAV, of 12 to 12 and a half. Wow. Like, we're talking about money of 96 to, to $100 million from this player. Now, I really don't think that Anyone really knows what's going on with Elias Pettersson when it comes to that. To be completely honest, I think he's fully in his own planet with respect to the contract um, as to what he wants to do. Uh, I mean, I'm sure his agents have kind of an idea, but it's an unfortunate thing for both the team and maybe himself a little bit that he just doesn't know what he wants right now. Now, whether that's money, it can't be about the money. Right, because no, the money's a, on the that's table. That's a totally
0: it's, market value contract for him. Yeah, and on yeah, the high end of market right? value.
3: Yeah, yeah. So I think that he eventually, Elias Pedersen is going to come to a right decision, whatever that means for him. Right, and, and and I think that when you look at it and say, okay, there's a lot more than than just money. Is it? Can he be here? Does he see himself fitting here over the next eight years? You know, he says he want he said he wants to win. And now that they're winning, you know, was that just something that he said because he didn't think that they were going to win for some some time? You know what I mean? Like, what, when he said that last time yeah. with Elliot. So I think now you, there's a bunch of things you have to look at, right? Um, yeah. Is it going to be on a shorter term deal? Is it going to be on a longer term deal? Or, I mean, look, you, we can say it now because I Rutherford said on this radio station, like, or, or does he just not want to be here at all? Well, and I think-, I think that's the thing. Well, I think that that's a reality that. Some of the fans and people in media alike have to have in the back of their mind that there is a chance that, you know, he may not be here. I think don't get me wrong. The money's on the table. Mm -hmm. Everything's there for him to do it. It's just, it's, it's really just up to him.
2: No, you're right. I think obviously, until you sign, it means that for whatever reason he's not convinced yet, and that means there's a chance he doesn't come back, and that the team may have to face that reality in the offseason. That's just the truth, and everybody yep. knows it, right? And it's, it's the elephant in the in the room, so to speak. The one thing though, I will make like I, I'll bring up. You know, I think it's an, it's it's good for posterity and, and in fairness, Patterson mentioned before the season began, even like this was the boat boat uh, cruise with uh, Elliot Friedman before training camp, even in Sweden, that he wants to wait until after the season. So that was always the plan, right? Like, we want to wait until after the season. So from his standpoint, like, nothing's changed in terms of what the posture from his
3: camp was ahead of the season. No, and I just think it just puts more of an onus on him. Now, like, the Canucks aren't going to like that this came out. Elias Federson is sure as hell isn't going to like the fact that this came out. Yeah. Um, but it's it's, it's one. It's the nature of the business, right? People are going to find out things and, and put them out. Now, whether you deem them true or not, or you can deny, 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 you know, there, there's reporters that, that that do reporting and they obviously put stuff out there. Like, there was an offer. It was in and around that area. I know from the Canucks' point of view, they believed it was a lot of money and it was enough money for... We've talked about it even before. I think we've talked about it on this show in yeah. December that the Canuck, whatever offer the Canucks were going to put out, if they did put out an offer, it would be one that Elias Pettersson would have to strongly think about. Now, I agree, I get it, that they're going to have to wait until the summer and things that, that, that he's been saying that he you know, he wants to wait and wants to talk about in the summer. And I think that this is going to be the one where people kind of get on him and will be like, well, why didn't he sign it? Well, because there's just more than money that goes into things. And I think that that's the thing that Elias Petterson needs to figure out. you know He's going to get his money no matter where he goes. He's going to get his money. And he's shown that you know he obviously likes it here and things like that. And people are going to say, well, how does he like it here if he didn't sign the contract? Well, he said he wanted to wait. So maybe... Who knows what happens, right? Uh, I just think that now that this has all come out, it's 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 gonna be kind of a bad situation for him a little bit because he's gonna have to answer questions about it now.
0: Yeah, and you you look at this situation, um no one's okay here. You'll be good.
3: Like he didn't turn it down. No. It, like no like Dave didn't report that Elias Pederson turned down ninety six million dollars from the Vancouver. It draft. hasn't been rejected, he it's just, just sitting there on yeah. the table. Like, hey, you They're know what we're there. willing
0: to pay you. And we're still willing to negotiate, if, even if you want to talk beyond that. But he, all he did was leave them on red. That's all he did. Yeah, he left them on exactly. red.
3: <laughs> and, the, and, the, and right now the Canucks are fine with that because I don't think that the Canucks are going to go back with another one. I no. think this is good. I think what they put out and what was set in front of Elias Pedersen on paper is fully what he's worth. Yeah, and and or, I, what, or at least what they believe what he's worth.
0: Well, I I said it yesterday on the show. Like he's worth fourteen percent of the cap. So on an eighty-seven and a half million dollar salary cap ceiling, that's twelve and a quarter million on the average annual value. Like that's yeah. that's that's where his number should be. It's it's a tier below guys like Matthews, McKinnon, and and McDavid. So that's that's what the number should be. And it sounds like the Canucks understood that, and that's sort of what they discussed with Elias Pettersson. But You know, if you're getting this late in the game and you haven't made your decision yet, I I just don't know how you, if you're the Canucks front office, you don't proceed with an idea that, hey, this guy isn't, like, there's a real chance this guy doesn't want to be here long-term. And we're going to have to answer that before the draft.
3: Why do you think they went and acquired uh, Elias Lindholm? Yeah. I mean, he's a guy that can play both. But he's actually a centerman. Yeah, the guy that's in need of a contract. He's probably he's gonna be a lot. He's gonna come a lot cheaper than Elias Pettersson will. Yeah, and I know his age and whatever and things like that. And people aren't gonna like it. One two center. Look, I'm just hypothetically saying if Elias Pettersson doesn't want to be here, who knows? He could sign an eight year deal here. Well, you he's got to got live with that
0: possibility. There. As I said, we're that right. late in the game. Like it's, you can't be like Brad for living a couple of years ago, where you're left with both Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk saying, "All right, we want out of Calgary." Like you got to prepare for these scenarios, even if it doesn't even if it doesn't play out with with Patterson. like you, you have to prepare for, for both scenarios, the one that he stays and the one that he wants to go. You have to prepare for for both.
3: Yeah, of course. And I think that that's what the Canucks kind of did a little bit. Yeah, Look, they they acquired Elias Lindholm because they obviously wanted to shore up their, their positioning and get a really good player who was available, someone that they were targeting. But you'd be crazy to think that in the back of their minds if they didn't think that he would be a long-term fit just in case something doesn't go right with number 40.
2: Yeah, and, and I think you you have to do your due diligence. I think that's just a reality. But at the same time, for this season, they're very much approaching it, I think, as they have a really strong chance of winning. And that's probably even more enhanced if you're not quite sure about where Patterson's is going to be at. Because if you are making a move with him, it's not going to be simple to just make a move and then you're going to be back to being a contender next season. It might be a, a bit of a step back to take a step forward. Like, you, you don't know how that's all going to come together. So, I mean, how much does that kind
3: of shade their aggressiveness at the deadline? Yeah, well, it has to, right? I mean, if you believe you can win the Stanley Cup, you go and do moves you, you can to win the Stanley Cup this year. Like, if you really do believe that you're a team that can go and, and by all accounts, you know, they, they've looked like it. I know they're on a three-game losing streak right now, but, you know, they, they've looked like a team that can compete with the best of them if they really won in a seven-game series. I mean, that game against Colorado, yeah, they lost. That's a fun hockey game. Like, yeah. give me seven of those games all day long, right? Um, and, and, and the Canucks held their own. You know, I know they got killed against Boston. They're going to get their vengeance. And you look at the games coming up that they have, like this is a murder zone of pretty good hockey teams that are, that are coming into Rogers Arena here. So we'll get a real test to see what this team is going to look like and who they really think they are. But I think the belief is that they can go and win and, and, and they can compete with anyone right now. Now, whether the outside personnel thinks that and whether I think that, that that's a completely different thing. And whether, you know, I talking about it every single day is completely different. But the belief is those guys in that room in their management group Thinks that they can compete with any team any given night, and especially in the seven-game
0: series. I w- I wonder if you. Well, I mean, maybe maybe too early to, to to have this discussion, but you know, I wonder I wonder if you get a little bit more aggressive at the deadline with the idea that you don't know Pedersen's long-term future.
3: Well, they're are probably not going to if he doesn't if he doesn't want to talk about it until yeah the summer. They're definitely not going to know about it. They're they're not going to know. He's right? just I mean, like I just said, I, I, I honestly don't think that he really knows either, yeah. to be completely honest. I, I don't.
0: Uh, Irf, we appreciate the time as always. Again, try that Beecher's cheese <laughs> if, uh, if you can. It's
3: actually funny. I'm standing right in front of it.
0: <laughs> the mac and cheese, it's, it's a delight. You, you you won't be disappointed. All right, gentlemen, be well. All right, there he is, Irfan Gaffar joining us here on uh, on Canuck Central.
2: Yeah, and, and, and we have so much reaction on the text inbox. I can Six, imagine. 650, 650. This one says, it is rather obvious that Pedersen doesn't want to be here. And uh, this person says, I was told a couple of weeks ago from somebody that he doesn't want to be here. And others have said the same thing uh, or they're texting oh. in, say- saying similar things. Everybody in Vancouver knows somebody who knows somebody that thinks Pedersen's leaving or staying. So, yeah, I, you, <laughs> I've heard both sides of the argument. Uh, this one says, Pedersen doesn't have to answer questions. He's already told you what he intends to do. And, yes, I mean, like I mentioned, like he said from, from the out, like nothing's changed in terms of his posture, right? It was, yeah, I'm going to wait until the offseason to talk. Mm hmm. And, yes, he, he mentioned how he wants to be on a winning team, but it was all about let's get through the season. Yeah. So it was clearly – like, he's already said what he intends to do. Like, he, he hasn't changed his his posture in any sort of way. But that's not a vote of confidence to him staying in Vancouver necessarily. No, not necessarily. But I just mean, Guys like – Guys who
0: want to wait, generally, like, they end up leaving, don't they? Like, John Tavares left, Johnny Gaudreau. Stamkos stayed. Stamkos eventually stayed, Yes. yes. So I mean, it's it's not like it a 100% conversion rate that they leave. But, but he's but also not going to UFA.
2: He's going to RFA. Yeah. Well, then it's it's Matthew Kuchak. It's Pierre-Luc Dubois. Yeah. I mean, hey, listen. It's, it's it's fair. Yeah. And I can understand it. All I'm saying is the stuff that we hear, and <laughs> the the point I was making to you off air a couple of days ago was you hear so much stuff behind the scenes, mm-hmm. but it's it's not from the principals. Like, it's not coming from the agent. It's not coming from Pedersen himself. Yeah. So you hear stuff, and it's like, well... I can understand where it's coming from, but like, there's no connection. It's like a third or a fourth yeah. party. My right? friend
0: is f- friends with Pedersen's barber, and he told his barber this.
2: Yeah, <laughs> maybe not quite that drastic, but yes, right? No, or even even stuff that you hear from hockey people, right? It's like I'm hey, exaggerating for you know, effect. No, no, it's good. It's good. It's good. What no, I'm saying it's that like maybe not quite there, but I mean like there is stuff out there that you hear, and you're like, well, it probably it looks, yeah. you know, I can understand like why you'd think like, you know, maybe he does not want to stay here, but nothing ties into it. So my my overarching point here is. Because there is a uh, an information vacuum, us we're just speculating in yeah. some ways, right? And you can talk yourself into a lot of different things, and I think that's a big part of it right now, too. But, yeah, I mean, if he hasn't signed yet, it's still clear he hasn't made up his mind, which means there's a chance he doesn't want to be here, clearly, yes. I mean, you, you can't look at, look at it in any other way. Uh, if you're the Canucks, you have to
0: prepare for both scenarios, one that he stays, one that uh, he goes. I think that's... That's the way the front office should proceed um, in in this situation. As mentioned, Dave Pinota reporting today that uh, the uh, the Canucks tabled a offer believed to be eight years worth twelve million per season to Pedersen's camp at the beginning of the season. It has not been rejected. It's there for the taking, which is essentially. Lines up with what Jim Rutherford and, and Patrick Alvine have told us when they've made appearances on the show. Yeah.
2: I mean, I think it's pretty clear the Canucks have made overtures. Yes. Is it actually a written offer that's like, you know, written out properly? Was it a
0: verbal like, hey, this is, we're willing to go this much total
2: money. We're getting into semantics yes. here, but was it some way relate to him that they're willing to give him mm-hmm. pretty close to what he wants if he wants to stay here? I think it's pretty clear by the answers that both Alvin and Rutherford have made that they've essentially admitted that, yes. yes, we've made overtures. And what do you think an overture looks like? Yeah, it's a big contract. It's a huge contract. <laughs> right? So, uh,
0: so yes, it has not been rejected. And uh, then in that just uh, conversation there with Irf, uh, he definitely doesn't feel that there's too much wrong info from Dave Pinota of the fourth period. Uh, we'll continue the discussion on Elias Pettersson, but in a different one. Ranked today as the 10th best centerman in the league, according to players and executives in a survey done by ESPN. His teammate was number 11. We'll talk to Ryan Clark of ESPN next on Sportsnet 650.